Welcome everyone to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing all right. Uh, normally, I would say I'm doing well or I'm doing great or something like that. I'll just say I'm doing all right. Uh, we'll talk. We'll get more into it as we go along. Uh, but Jen, how are you doing? Like, how was Hawaii? Like, Brandon, did I tell you this that when I, I texted Jen, out of the kindness of my heart, I texted Jen like last week to say, "Hey, Brandon and I, we just did the show. Uh, we missed you." Like it was just Brandon and I just staring at each other awkwardly for like 45 minutes to an hour. I think I could hear our like eyes, like our eyes clicking, like our eyelids clicking as we were blinking at each other for like an mm -hmm. hour. And yep. she didn't even believe me. Like she literally, she was just like, well, that's not true. You guys are a bunch of liars. I've got the text messages as proof, uh -huh. but it's just like, that's, that's something that she said. She didn't even believe that we, that we missed her. But Jen, I'll, I'll ask, how was, how was Hawaii? How was your vacation? Well, Jen? Um, Hawaii was wonderful. Uh, it was very nice to unplug for about five days. Uh, very crowded, Hawaii. Um, just a constant sea of tourism in and out. Luggage in, luggage out. Like our mm -hmm. basically, we were in Waikiki, which is basically like Vegas, right? But on an island. Um, so it's just like Vegas. Like you're sitting in your hotel, and they're just people coming yeah. in and out at all times. Luggage in, luggage out uh people everywhere but it was fantastic it was wonderful um unfortunately i came home with a little cold which is kind of the standard i think um these days uh like i said it was i mean every day in an elevator with 15 people per every time we came you know of course i'm gonna get sick so um but yeah and um yeah so it was good um and i am sorry that i missed last week um, and I didn't mean that you didn't miss me. I just meant that I'm sure you guys did a wonderful job on the show without me is really what I meant. It wasn't a personal missing. It was a show missing. So that was the deal there. Brandon, I assume you have recovered from your cold since you pass it to me through the uh, airwaves. Yeah, that's how I do. It's the new technology now. You're able to pass colds over podcast, which is what I did exactly. Yeah. And uh, you're welcome, is what I'll say. I'll just say you're welcome. <laughs> like, is this uh, show, are we sponsored by, is StreamYard sponsor this show or anything like that? Because, like, I feel like since I was also sick. Mm -hmm. like last week as well Were you? Yeah. See? Yeah, that's what i did yeah i just sent it so i just feel like ways. it's it's a no. mighty coincidence <laughs> that after we both talked with you uh now we're sick and the only connection for the three of us is through Streamyard. so no. it's just uh somebody needs to do a study on that yeah i think so i think so <laughs> uh jed you'll you'll be happy to know that uh i'm the george costanza chris is the elaine bennis and you're the jerry that brings us together so Aww. it was an awkward jerryless episode last week but i'm we the even steven that brings you all together yeah even steven i don't know even steven you haven't seen that episode What's, no, I don't. Well, oh, I, I probably have. I probably don't know the name. Yeah, it's the one where Jerry, like, he's always even, right? Like, either George is up, Elaine is up, okay. down. He, like, throws a 20 out the window, and then someone comes in. is like, I found it. Jerry, I found a 20 on the street. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, that's right. Always, yeah, yeah, yeah. always okay. even Steven, and then yeah. Elaine is up. You know, they, they switch places, and then Jerry's always just right there, even okay. Steven. I remember that now. Okay, that makes sense. All right, let's let's uh, let's hit some news. We, uh, we're going to do several segments today, and uh, there's going to be a theme, which I'll reveal here in a little while, but first let's hit some news uh not a whole lot of stuff to talk about but i do want to bring up dj chark signing with the panthers uh this carolina panthers team is going to feature presumably uh a new quarterback a new running back in miles sanders two new receivers in adam Thielen and dj chark and a new tight end in hayden hurst it's going to be a very interesting offense uh jen i want your first initial reaction to dj chark signing there because he's really set up to be the wide receiver one there or at least to play that x role on the outside in frank reich's offense 
You know, I can say for the first time in years, I'm kind of excited about the Carolina offense as far as from a fantasy perspective, right? I mean, for the last however many years, it's been McCaffrey, you know, until he got traded, of course, and McCaffrey only, right? As far as like anyone you'd want to draft. But I like Chark. I like Thielen. Like, I like Thielen gobbling up the touchdowns. Like, you know, he's had 30 touchdowns in the last three years. Like, why not do it again? Run it back. Um, I'm excited about that. Always love some Hayden Hurst. I mean, tight ends in Carolina don't usually do much, kind of like Houston, right? I mean, it's kind of known for not much tight endness, but um, you never know. I mean, it's tough without knowing who's throwing them any of them the ball. Uh, but I think based on what they have, you know, Terrace Marshall, I mean, you know, I think Chark and Thielen are good additions. Yeah, you know, Terrace Marshall, you got to think will line up in that slot. He's that big bodied slot receiver that they drafted uh, to be that. That's what he was in college. It's the what he profiles the most to do. Uh, Chris, DJ Chark in Carolina, you know, coming off a season where he was a little injury plagued, which has been the case with him the last few years, but did play in 11 games, did catch 30 balls for 502 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, not bad numbers, considering he was a part-time player in Detroit. Uh, obviously, not what we saw in 2019 when he had his breakout season with the Jaguars. Uh, do you think we can see that 2019 version of DJ Chark again? Are you still looking at him as a guy with that kind of potential? There's actually a potential that we can see even better than the 2019 version. Uh, there was a post or a clip from the NFL owners meeting that's going on down in Arizona like this week. and somebody was talking with Frank Reich uh, specifically about DJ Chark. And the quote was something along the lines that they want to expand his role. They want to Frank Reich has been eyeing him for the past couple of seasons, wants to actually expand his role, uh, turn him into a more complete receiver, expand his route tree. Uh, so if there, if there is a chance that we can see more of DJ Chark, not just as a deep threat, because I believe his career average depth of target is somewhere between 13 and 14 yards. He's been one of the top 10, top 12 receivers in terms of downfield targets uh, from a yards per target standpoint. So if now instead of him having not just the deep speed, because going up against Adam Thielen, who's well into the twilight of his career, Hayden Hurst can stretch the seam, uh, but not as often as we would expect for DJ Chark. I wouldn't expect the same for Terrace Marshall, She Smith. I mean, all of those other guys that are part of the Panthers' offense. DJ Chark now has not just the deep threat ability, but also working in the intermediate parts of the field. He could essentially be the team's wide receiver one, not just the guy that's creating explosives, but the guy that's taking those first and 10, like, you know, those short types of uh, short a dot layup type targets and using his four, three speed in order to create yak after the catch, which is something that we haven't seen from Chark to date, like throughout his career. So I'm excited about him to be quite honest. He's one, like, he's will be 27 I believe at the start of the season. So more or less entering the prime of his career. So if he can stay healthy, uh, get on, uh, like get in sync with his, with his quarterback, whoever, it be, whoever it winds up being young Stroud. DJ Stroud. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. I think it's gonna be Stroud, but that's, that's just me. That's just my opinion. But either way, it, it just seems like there's a decent chance that he can be more than what we've seen from him. Like in the, I guess, over the entirety of his career of just being the, I don't know, uh, that deep threat archetype of player, the, the Marvin Jones like type of player, the Mike Williams downfield contested catch like type of guy. If he can become more than that in an offense that's going to now feature what we assume to be a good prospect in a quarterback, 
I, I mean, the, the sky's the limit, I think, for for Chark. I'm just hoping that I can get enough best ball drafts in before his his value corrects, if, if what Frank Reich is saying is true. I, I like the value that we're probably going to get on both Thielen, who Jen mentioned, and on Shark. I think it's going to be interesting because I don't think they're going to cost a lot. And I'm looking forward to having lots of names called, you know, Baby Shark, do 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 and oh, things yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to those types of things. So Shark yeah. is uh, wide receiver 70 right now. On, yeah, that, uh, yeah, that's, that's a value. I like that. I like that's that. That's a value. I yeah. love this. Uh, let's uh, shift just real quick, Jen. I'm just going to ask your your opinion on this. Lamar Jackson supposedly requested a trade. Does that change the likelihood of him moving to you? Do you think that that's, uh, or is it just more drama on the way to uh, an eventual franchise tag playing season? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's crazy because, like, you know, down <clears throat> in those NFL meetings that, that Chris just mentioned. You know, there was a tweet out there in a video from from Harbaugh that, you know, he's looking forward to moving forward. I mean, but according to Lamar and, and his people, which I don't know if there are people, if it's just him or whatever, they're pretty far apart. So I, it's a lot of drama. I mean, I'm over it. I'm sure everybody's over it. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, like there are some legitimate good landing spots for him. So it's like, let's get going here. Either make the trade, sign him so we can move forward. Whatever it is, you know, I'm, I'm ready to get going because, you know, Lamar's only 26. I mean, it, there's there's so much left. It's wild. Just wild he's out there in the market. Yeah. If he moves on, Jen, um, does Tyler Huntley become interesting or do you think the Ravens grab somebody else? I think Huntley becomes somewhat interesting. I mean, he's had some some fantasy nugget weeks, right? I mean, I, I, I think occasionally, he becomes... yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's interesting as like a QB1 for redraft or anything, but I think he's certainly interesting in best ball formats and, and possibly Superflex, you know, Dynasty, which I know nothing about, but I'd just like to throw that out there. Superflex Dynasty, um, I'm sure he's, you know, discussed there. <laughs> Make, makes sense. Uh, speaking of Superflex Dynasty, I have a question. The next news item, this is just for Chris, specifically talking mm -hmm. about Superflex Dynasty. Sean Payton was talking up Jarrett Stidham this week, right? And we know that Russell Wilson is coming off a horrendously bad season. And we know that uh, after this season, Russell Wilson's contract becomes a little bit stomachable to, to get rid of, right? This yeah. season, not so much. Um, if you've, if you're in a super flex dynasty league, are you grabbing Stidham? Are you adding him to rosters? I don't see why not at this point, because it would not surprise me in the slightest. If that by let's say week nine, week 10, we get reports of Russell Wilson and Jarrett Stidham sharing first team reps. Or Jarrett Siddham taking over first team reps entirely, and there's a chance that Russell Wilson might sit or something along those lines. The just general intuition throughout the entire league is that Sean Payton is the head coach and Russell Wilson's fate. I'll just just using the term like as it is, it's in his hands at this point. Like how he performs over over this season greatly determines whether or not he's going to be playing football pretty much at all because the way that his contract is structured and who's going to want to pay that salary if Denver decides to move on from him after this season and the offseason moves they made so far, I mean, adding in like try, at least attempting to rebuild an offensive line, adding uh, running backs like left and right. I mean, they took my Maje P Ryan away from me. Uh, but also with the trade rumors uh, swirling around Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, it's like they're trying to take as much away from Russell Wilson and move it towards that, uh, like trying to simplify things as much as possible. So 
I mean, there's there is a chance that Jared Stidham could be taking snaps like this uh, this upcoming season. And as of right now, that's a non-zero chance at, at this point. Yeah, I would pick him up and just stash him on the back end of your roster. There's really nothing to lose at this point. I'm here for the Jarrett Stidham revival, right? He was the big Superflex uh, dynasty addition there when he was supposed to be the heir apparent to Tom Brady. Yeah. And then he came out, everybody forgot about him, and then he had a couple good starts last year. So I'm I'm, I'm here for the Jarrett Stidham resurgence. But uh, that's all I got for news items uh, this week. Uh, I want to do uh, a, a segment that normally we just ask Chris to do, but this week we're all going to do. Uh, we're going to hit up stats of the week. So these are stats of the week, stats that made us think, Uh, about something to say and stats that we like for some reason. So let's do it. Chris, would you care to kick us off with your stat of the week? Yeah, absolutely. So for the folks that have read my quarterback streaming column for the past few seasons, know that I tried to use uh, password over expectation or PROE as much as possible. Like our own Sam Hoppin, he tracks that on a weekly basis and while it might not be the easiest to predict on a weekly basis, tracking uh, season over season trends is something that you can do, assuming there is some personnel continuity, right? That Kansas City has remained in the top 10, or at least, if anything, in the top five in terms of passer over expectation over the past few years, because Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have been at the forefront of that offense. Same thing with Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, past few years, we've seen their pass rate over expectation uh, kick up over the past couple of seasons. Uh, but just last year, last year uh, specifically, uh, six out of the top 10 teams in red zone uh, red zone percentage, so the number of plays that teams execute within the or their opponent's 20-yard line, they had a positive pass rate over expectation. So the teams that were passing more wound up getting into scoring position more often. So that means like the teams like the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, the Vikings last season. Now uh, with uh, Kevin O'Connell coming over from the Rams and going up to Minnesota, we actually saw Kirk Cousins go from a fringe top 12 quarterback to what was he? Quarterback six, quarterback seven uh, just this past year with Justin Jefferson having that record setting season. Chargers in Jacksonville, like all leaning more towards uh, more on the pass this past season as well. We've seen them just get into scoring position more often. Now, does it always lead to the quarterback being the one that benefits from it? No, not necessarily because they can always hand off to Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler getting like doing his thing, Travis Etienne. Uh, but the pass catchers, the guys that are involved from, so from, T. Higgins to Stefan Diggs to Justin Jefferson that I just mentioned, or Austin Eckler again. I mean, those guys can, the pass catchers associated with that offense, like become the real beneficiaries. So if we're go, as we go into the 2023 season, the teams that still have that same type of continuity. So again, the Chiefs, Bengals, the Bills still, Jacksonville, of course, everybody loves Jacksonville after they added Calvin Midley. All of those teams should be the ones that were kind of front loading, like into our drafts, just because we know that with the personnel, with the coaching still remaining the same for the most part, like they should be the ones that are continually passing, like when they're expected to. And they're also getting the players that we want, the the fantasy assets that we're drafting also like find it, like getting into the red zone and potentially finding the paint. Interesting to see Jacksonville uh, in that. It makes sense. You're looking at what they did and what Trevor Lawrence did o- over the season. Uh, interesting to see Jacksonville on that list, Minnesota on that list as well. And uh, I like that you said that it's, uh, it's sticky that it'll go on over uh, to next year. It's something that you can actually use to be a little bit predictive, and that's what we love to see. Jen, what stat did you bring for us this week? Well, um, you know, I kind of, not kind of, I, I pretty much stole this from uh, our, our co-worker, John Paulson. 
Um, I was reading his article, uh, Free Agency Winners and Losers, and I saw a little nugget, so then I decided to research a little bit and get into it. So Tony Pollard, <clears throat> last season, was running back seven in total half PPR points and ninth in half PPR points per game, right? Yet he was RB21 in total touches and RB27 in touches per game. So that's pretty impressive, right, to be wow. all the way down there in, in the amount of work he got, but then his production was uh, was stellar. Now he's without Zeke, so wheels up, right? I mean, he's pretty expensive, though. He's RB10 right now in underdog drafts. Yeah. Uh, his ADP is 3.5, but, I mean, looking at what he did last year while splitting carries and while being, you know, an RB2-3 in, in the amount of volume, and then his production was top 10. So uh, I thought that was kind of impressive. That is, so Ronald Jones doesn't scare you off, then? Um, no, I mean, no, no, I think I past, kid. past the point of being, uh, even remotely threatened by Ronald Jones. I kid Ronald Jones. I kid Ronald. No, I I'm with you. Tony Pollard. Uh, I had him on a lot of rosters last year and it was very, uh, very useful. He was in my lineup every week. Yeah. I had him. I had him. He, yeah. I had him a lot too. He was kind of, I think he was my only decent running back in Scott Fishbowl. Like he was, yeah. it. Mm. he was good. That yeah. had a yeah. heck it was of a him season. And then just Scrubville for the entire season. Are you buying him as RB10? Yeah. I mean, depends. Depends on the format. Depends on what's going on. Um, Is he going to yeah, be ready I mean, week one? Assuming he's healthy. I'm going to I'm gonna say that. Yeah. Assuming, that's where assuming I'm he's, he's Yeah, that's where I'm at. All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. For best ball, probably. For I don't know. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I, I actually, I, I to be completely fair, I've already drafted him once. So I guess I am buying him. Wow. Um, <laughs> I don't but know. Ask me in like two months. Yeah. I feel like by and see um where i drafted him because i know i took him in one of my in my first uh thing let's see oh not that one hold on my stat of the week uh while, while jen looks that up my stat of the week is uh 201 201 that's the available carries that david montgomery leaves for khalil herbert and deontay foreman uh foreman averaged 4.4 yards per carry over the last two seasons ran a 4.45 at his pro day back in 2017 david montgomery has never sniffed that yards per carry 4.63 average. Now, Montgomery, if you look at the advanced stats, Montgomery's pretty good at breaking tackles. He finds the hole pretty well. But Foreman does a good job with his vision as well, and Foreman has that little extra uh, oomph to go with his big body so he can make more happen. So uh, I'm not saying that uh, he's going to get all those touches. I think Khalil Herbert will get quite a bit of them, but I do think Foreman's going to have a prominent role. The Bears have a new offensive guard in Nate Davis, who is a road-grading right guard. Uh, has done a heck of a job for Derrick Henry over the past few years. I think that whatever touches Deontay Foreman does get for the Bears, he's going to do more with them than what David Montgomery was able to do. So I think he's going to have value uh, on this roster. And Khalil Herbert, too. I think it's going to be a valuable one-two punch for the Bears running game. 201 available carries. Available carries. That's my stat. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just wrote uh, I just wrote a uh, player profile on that Chicago backfield a couple days ago. So ah, I'm gonna have to. I haven't read that yet. I'm gonna have to read it. Yeah, I wrote it on. A, I don't even know what day today. I wrote it at some point when I got back from Hawaii. <laughs> I think it was Friday. I wrote that. Excellent, excellent. Before the fever set in, right? Before yes. there, luckily, excellent. no fever, just head cold. Thank you. <laughs> okay. okay. Zero right. fever. <laughs> All right, so uh, the next segment is called Hard Goodbyes. Uh, players we won't be drafting this year, and it hurts that we won't be drafting them this year. And we're, we're doing this segment because uh, I've kind of buried the lead here, but Chris, uh, this is Chris's last episode 
of TMAP, at least until we beg and plea him to come back as a guest. He is uh, exiting as a regular host. And Chris, we are going to miss you tremendously. You are going to be a very hard goodbye. So this episode is going to be 17 hours. We're just going to continue to talk and keep you here (laughs) as long as possible. So kick back, Um, everybody. (laughs) But let's do this in honor of Chris. Hard goodbyes. Players we won't be drafting this year, and it hurts. Chris, would you lead us off? Yeah, sure. So my hard goodbye is going to be Ramondre Stevenson. While I do think, as I've seen right now, uh, uh, per our underdog ADP, uh, which is updated almost daily, if I remember correctly, so go and check that out if you haven't already. I've seen him go around the RB13 area. So the cost, I think, is fair, given his production from last season. But my problem is the assumed schematic changes to the offense that we should expect to see in New England this year. Uh I don't care. Like they already jettisoned a couple of pass catchers and they've already made some changes. But with Bill O'Brien like coming in, Matt Patricia likely not coming back. My assumption is that we won't see more of Mac Jones cussing at the coaches and all of that to make sure that the passing game is something that he can actually work around. Because his rookie season, he was actually performing admirably, like given the fact that he was a rookie walking into this situation uh, that. You know, so with Tom Brady just recently exiting New England and all of that, I thought the kid played well in his, his rookie season. So to see him take such a massive step back this past year with the Joe Judge, Matt Patricia just debacle, I think a lot of that had to do with the turmoil we saw around him uh, regarding the coaching changes and whatnot. So Ramondre Stevenson being the beneficiary of it, saw the number of targets he was able to get uh, with Damian Harris like out. We don't know if any of the running backs that are sitting behind Ron, uh, Stevenson at this point are going to get into the mix. Uh, Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, I mean, either of those guys, I mean, I like both uh, either profile as, let's say, suitable pass catchers or they could work between the tackles. So we don't know what Stevenson's workload is going to look like. And if the offense actually turns into something that's more suited towards Mac Jones stylistically, do we see him take more intermediate and deep shots like in 2023, which would then, uh, which, which would then take away from uh, Stevenson's like check down targets that we saw week in and week out last year. So I do think Stevenson will likely get the early down work. He should be still be involved in the two minute area, short yardage, you name it, but the targets, which really uh, pole vaulted him into this like fringe RB1 conversation. We see him in right now. I have a tough time seeing those re- uh, come back in 2023. So I would, I mean, honestly, I could look at some of the guys that are sitting behind, uh, they're sitting behind him, like Najee Harris, and say that, well, I could probably arbitrage like at least a decent amount of Stevenson's workload with what we'd see out of Najee and I can get that at a cheaper cost. So I probably will be avoiding Ramondre Stevenson in draft this, this season. I'm with you that cost of the new England backfield in general. Did you know new England doesn't have a, a single player who's been their leading rusher in more than two seasons since Corey Dillon. That does not surprise me in the slightest. Yeah, it's it's crazy, you know. So, uh, you know, Stevenson did it last year, so maybe he's got another season. But, I, I mean, New England just, uh, the, you know, those running backs, uh, paying up for that makes me uh, struggle. So, I'm, And I'm with you with changing the offense. Maybe doesn't get the checkdowns as much. Uh, definitely a hard sell completely. Jen, uh, who is somebody that you won't be drafting this year and it hurts you? Well, interestingly enough, when I saw the segment, my first thought was the person that you're going to talk about next. 
And I was about to write, I, I was about to write the whole thing up. And then I saw, luckily I looked and saw your person. I was like, Oh, I got to find someone else. So I have found somebody else and I am going to go with Terry McLaurin. Now, first of all, I mean, Terry is affordable right now, right? He is, I mean, an underdog, he's wide receiver 27, which is fair. I mean, he's never finished above a wide receiver two. He's had two wide, re- two, two wide receiver two seasons and a wide receiver three season um, from 2020 till now. And, you know, yes, horrible quarterback play, horrible quality of targets, all of that stuff, yes. So here we are again, right, heading in with, with the lovely combination of Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. Now, if for some reason – they trade for Lamar. I'm back in, you know, I don't know that I want to suffer another season of Terry McLaurin with crappy quarterback play. Like it's just, you know, and there's other people there now as well. I mean, you've got, you know, Dotson and you have Diami Brown and you have Curtis Samuel. I just, I like Terry. I think he has plenty of potential, but I just don't want to go through another wide receiver two slash three season um, with him. So like I said, he is affordable. He's going where he should go, but unless they upgrade their quarterback situation, whether it's, you know, they get Lamar or they draft somebody that I doubt they're going to draft. I mean, they already spent money on Jacoby. So I think we're, I think we're rolling with those two and I think I'm out on him. Uh, you know, in your in your uh, favor here, Sam Howell only threw the ball 19 times in his one start last year. Uh, although Terry McCorn had three catches, 74 yards and a touchdown. But that's, of <laughs> course, of course, uh, helps for a 52 yarder there. So, uh, yeah, har- hard to sign on for the Washington quarterback situation. I completely understand that. And you know what? I have to apologize to you, Jen. I did pick someone that would have been a natural pick for you. I picked a oh, Georgia okay. Bulldog. I'm no, sorry you did, that. but that's okay. You know, I don't have I don't have like a proprietary situation over them just because I'm a homer. Um, and it really wasn't even why. I just that situation. I mean, as you'll get to it in a second, um, I feel the exact same way as you do. So I was just going to go there, um, and thankfully I didn't. So you know, we can mix it up for for good podcasting. Sure, sure. So I picked DeAndre Swift. Uh, I still like Swift. I like the, I like the player. But you know, his injury history, the Lions' clear intention to not give him a full workload. Uh, which makes sense given his injury history, I guess. But uh, they're they're clearly not featuring him, not giving him that full-scale workload. Uh, hard to justify with his usually lofty price tag. I think he was the second rounder last year. Uh, that price tag will go down after such a down season. But I still think people are going to pay up at least a little bit for him. Uh, they got rid of Jamal Williams or lost him in free agency, but they did bring in David Montgomery, which tells me that they're going to give David Montgomery the touches that Jamal Williams got. So I don't think DeAndre Swift is going to get any kind of benefit from Jamal Williams leaving. Uh, I'm not going to take him in redraft formats. I'll probably sprinkle him into best ball lineups so that I can get those spike weeks. But in redraft formats, it was a nightmare trying to figure out when and if to start him last year. Just not going to do it again. And and like I mentioned, David Montgomery's arrival doesn't really inspire any more confidence in Swift this year. I'm going to be sad. I love this kid. I loved watching him in college. I was excited when he got drafted. Thought it was a good fit in Detroit. Love watching him play, but I just can't trust him in my lineups anymore. So uh, I'm going to have to let somebody else take DeAndre Swift this year. (laughs) I understand that. And it sounds like they're going to add another pass catcher at some point through the draft is at least that's what my intuition because they traded away tj hawkinson Mm -hmm. dj chark left or already we talked about his uh his departure in free agency so you would think 
some sort of either a tight end or just another pass catcher because it can't just all be Amon Ross St. Brown as much as we as fantasy managers want that to be a thing. But Jameson Williams, assuming he takes that step that everybody assumes he's going to take, there's going to have to be more to that offense, even I mean, with Jared Goff and everything. So that, and that's going to have to be more. So that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be more for DeAndre Swift. So I, mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely with you on that one, Brandon. Yeah, heck of a heck of a tight end draft class this year too. Like oh, we're yes. looking at looking at potential four day one guys. Probably not actually four day one guys, but day, four guys with uh, fringe day one grades at least and could get drafted. Who's your favorite time. as of right now? Do you have uh, one? So you know it. It mayors the consensus, but don't know Washington yeah. is just incredible. Like don't know Washington. You don't just have to ask me who my favorite is. Yeah. <laughs> the Georgia, the Georgia kid, don't know Washington. He's just, uh, just the athleticism is off the charts. It's have you heard about the? Ignore. I've been hearing. Uh, I don't know if this is like a dynasty thing or a Debbie thing or something like that. But the Sam Laporta guy. Uh, I've been hearing stuff about him and I, I've looked up at, uh, at least looked through his like relative athletic score and like try to do like some just research, research like behind the scenes on uh, what he could potentially be. doesn't sound like he's going to get a ton of hype, like from the, from a draft standpoint, but in the dynasty circles, I keep hearing his name like being mentioned. So I was just, I, I was wondering if you had a, had a thought either way. Yeah. So he's from tight end you, which is great, right? Iowa. That's yeah, where Iowa. the, t- the yeah. good tight ends uh-huh. come from, right? Uh, the thing is about him, he seems more from a fantasy perspective to me, somebody who's going to be like a quality tight end eight, tight end 10 season mm-hmm. type guy, like a Heath Miller, Todd Heap type of player. Uh, I date myself with my tight end references here, but those are great <laughs> ones, though. Uh, right. Yeah, th- that's that's the type of fantasy player that I see with Sam Laporte. Just a good player. Like I if I'm looking at like a like a dynasty upside guy, like I'll probably take a look at uh, I can't remember. So Luke, maybe Musgrave, the Oregon State oh, yeah. kid. Mm-hmm. I'm a homer, but Musgrave is a um, he's got really good hands. And he can stretch the seam a little bit. He's got good athleticism. And he'll probably go day two in this draft. Um, so I think he's somebody that might be like year two, year three in the league. You could see him enter into that top five fantasy discussion. But it's a good class. All those guys have value. I'm, I'm excited about where the tight ends end up. Don't know Washington is that like high ceiling could be the next Jimmy Graham type of player. Like Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh incredible absolutely incredible players um Not okay the best tight end on the georgia football team i know which is insane but we're gonna get to that next year probably right? yes oh, yeah. <laughs> well, i will yeah. not shut up about brock bowers next year like it, i mean i already don't shut up i've already him, be, so. yeah because i remember like him playing in the watching him in the the championship game and i was like dude this he it feels He's like it felt monster. like he was like their their wide receiver one yeah I have a feeling my prediction for next year is that Jen says Brock Bowers is everything everyone said Kyle Pitts would be. I, I feel like that's what Jen, generational Jen talent. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have a, another segment that's Chris inspired. Um, it, it's all about Chris today, my friend. It's all about it's all about Chris. Yes. Uh, I've got Who'd You Rather, which is my favorite segment. I love Who'd You Rather. I just think it's fun. It's actionable. It's fun to talk about. Um, and I'm just doing Bengals this time. I'm just going to say Bengals edition. All right. So let's start with the quarterbacks. Jen, I'm going to start with you here. Um, I'm going to give you three quarterbacks. Uh, Joe Burrow, Bengal, quarterback four last year. Trevor Lawrence, quarterback seven last year. Or Justin Herbert, quarterback 11 last year. All three of those guys have their own, uh, you know, ups and downs, have their own positives and negatives. Who'd you rather between those three? And actually, if you could rank them for me, that'd be great. 
All right, well, I'm going to go right in the middle, and I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence as my first pick, and that is based nice. on – Yeah, you know, I just – I got to go. If we're talking like straight-up draft and we're talking draft capital, I mean, I'd rather wait and not spend the, the draft capital on Burrow and go with, with Trevor Lawrence. I'm not saying who's a better quarterback, who has a better arm, any of that. I'm talking – Oh, no, like that's for- how I'm taking it. <laughs> all right take, take it how you want but so, for we, fantasy, we've lost chris early jen yeah, and i will this finish is a the fantasy episode. football podcast so no I'm this is my fantasy. fantasy football podcast right oh now. so if this is the goodbye show for chris then i mean we got to just take all bangles throughout the thing and <laughs> that was the hint yeah boomer um, esiason is the right pick here That's, yes it's, it's, it's boomer esiason and then you know <laughs> uh jeff right. blake um, oh yeah I can't. Corey Dillon. I mean, yeah, there you go. Yeah, classic yeah. Bengals. Wasn't he a Bengal yeah. at one point? All-time leading brain. rusher for the Cincinnati Bengals. Absolutely. You mentioned him as a Patriot earlier, and then I got really like turned around and had a great had a great <laughs> career as a Patriot too. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so I'm I get yeah I'm gonna go Trevor Lawrence just based on draft capital. I would rather wait a couple rounds, take him rather than take Burrow, unless I'm stacking and I and I have Chase or Higgins, and it just works out that way. Um, so that I'd go him. Then I'm gonna go. Yeah. What's Herbert's ADP right now? I know it's really um, early. Where's he being drafted? I can drafted tell you right really now? quick because I have this. Because um, that's, that's going to be a determining factor for me. Okay, QB7. Okay. His ADP is 53.9. Okay. Burrow is QB5 at 39.5. And then Trevor okay. Lawrence is QB8. So he's okay. just one QB5 after. QB5 at 39.5. My yes. goodness. So like the three, now do you understand turn. why I'm going to go a little bit later? Yeah, wow. So yeah, um, I'm gonna go. Yeah, Burrow's my last choice, only based on draft, you know, capital, not on how I feel as them as talents. That makes that makes sense. I get that. You know, and and ADP tends to be a huge determining factor uh, in fantasy decisions in general. But I feel right, like and especially I know, listen, at quarterback. Yeah, and I was gonna say, like, I know we've talked about this um, in other in other shows and whatnot, and you know, this year I feel like we'll be kind of trending towards earlier QB and not like waiting, waiting. But I feel like those guys. You know, uh, Herbert and, and Lawrence at, at seven and eight. That's not like waiting, waiting. You know, I'm not going bottom yeah. of the barrel. I'm not going cousins. I'm not, you know, but I feel like those guys are kind of that middle ground where you don't want to go too early, but still got a good quarterback. Yeah. What say you, Chris? Similar archetype, these three quarterbacks. Uh, what say you on the order here? Uh, well, the order is Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's the real order. No, I would say that even even as a as a staunch Bengals fan, I do agree with approaching Trevor Lawrence as the, the, the first one off the board, just given the opportunity cost associated with it. So, like, if we are talking, so what, his ADP is in, what, the mid to late fourth round? Is that, if I'm just making a guess. I haven't done any, I haven't done any best ball drafts to date. I'm not a sicko like some of you other people out there in these streets sounds uh, like fifth sounds like sounds like fifth round for trevor lawrence okay so if i mean we're talking like late fourth like early fifth or somewhere in there i could stomach that from an opportunity cost standpoint like versus relying on i mean having to have a let's say primarily pocket passer i mean joe but we saw like him rush a few touchdowns in and he was scampering for first downs like throughout most of last season but if you're if your on-field production at least isn't heavily predicated on uh, on rushing production, I'm not saying you got to be Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, in, like in his like early the early parts of his career, 
but there has to be more than what we've seen on Joe Burrow to justify like that third round cost for me. So I would I would still approach it with probably Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow for me, just because of the pass rate over expectation associated with the Bengals right now. They've been what top six the past like two seasons, if I'm remembering correctly. They were top three uh, just uh, just this past year. So with most of the pass catchers uh, still intact but adding earth smith to the folds they swap out hayden hayden hurst and add in earth smith uh yeah i'm 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 intrigued at least uh by what joe burrow can do even with the like increased cost uh, based off of last year and then i'll uh, throw in justin herbert as the third are are you uh are you just out of curiosity with herbert with both of you like uh, are you expecting a bounce back season from herbert i hope so yeah. No, I'd like to see it, yeah. but I don't know. Just, just curious. It's, it's. I'm a as as a resident of the state of Oregon. I'm not qualified to discuss Justin Herbert <laughs> in a rational way. So, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I'm not an Oregon Duck fan. I'm an I'm an Oregon State Beaver fan, but I like the Ducks. And Herbert's such a likable kid and such a big yeah. part of like this. State oh, great! It, I mean, great guy. To... But <laughs> just just sell sell me on this idea that even after trading for, or not trading for, but adding Kellen Moore, so they get rid of they get rid of Lombardi right uh they they bring in kellen moore but and everyone's like okay well now kellen moore is going to add in all of these like uh, the, the, uh, there's going to be more fourth down plays it's going to be more aggressive or more aggressiveness more timing uh more uh, just more stuff like from kellen moore the kellen moore creativeness is what's going to solve all of their problems but if you look at kellen moore's situation in dallas to what his current personnel is going to be with the chargers what's the difference you've got a like a prototypical x receiver on both squads in either mike williams and michael gallup that are either typically like banged up or ineffective as like downfield contested catch uh, like passers you have a superstar in terms of a slot receiver uh, like a power slot receiver that can function as your number one outside if you need to play flanker in either Keenan Allen or CD Lamb. And that's cool, but who are the ancillary receivers that can at least pull defensive attention away? Neither team has that. And if Austin Eckler goes away because he's asking for a trade at this point, what then afterwards? And the Chargers still haven't fixed uh, their offensive line problems. I get it. Was it Rishon Slater was like, you know, banged up throughout most of last season. So that might help. Uh, like once he returns to the fold, but just I'm not seeing a ton of difference between what Kellen Moore was doing, what he had to work with in Dallas than what he'll have in L.A. to say that had adding him is now going to greatly increase Justin Herbert's chances of, I guess, reentering the, let's say, top six conversation for, for this season, unless they go out and draft Jordan Addison or Quentin Flower. I mean, insert high end wide receiver prospect name here. I like you went Quentin Flowers, um, Quentin Johnson and Zay Flowers combining. I know, them like one I, mega just, talent. Just exactly, it. that's what I wanted. Like I just like <laughs> combine all of them. Just give me all the all the talent. Uh, I love in order it. To get I them. love it. Um, they might they might go after receiver. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, like I said, I'm not qualified. I will say from a dynasty perspective, Herbert is a strong hold to me because you're not going to get value uh, in a trade for him, and uh, so. You hold them and you just hope it works out. Let's go to the uh, the running back situation of who'd you rather Bengals edition. Uh, we'll start with you this time, Chris. We got Joe Mixon, uh, RB12 last year, or Miles Sanders in his breakout year, RB13 last year. Uh, both of them have some questions going into this season uh, for very different reasons, but Miles Sanders uh, enters Carolina. We talked about that offense a little bit. 
Who would you rather, Mixon or Sanders going into next season? Give me Miles Sanders at this point. We know the limitations for Mixon, and even if he winds up staying with the team, I've actually come around. I've come around on the idea that the Bengals could sign somebody like Ezekiel Elliott, and I wouldn't be all that upset about it, just because Mixon's a liability in pass protection. We saw that throughout. We've seen that over the past few seasons now at this point. So if there's going to be some workload concerns, at least overall, where they might end up having to pull him in key situations. And with Miles Sanders, we know what he is at this point, even if we know that the Panthers offense is a tier or two or three down from the Bengals, I'd probably still take Miles Sanders for the workload. I like that. Makes sense to me. Jen, are you in agreement or do you have an argument against? I'm in agreement. I also am, am, you know, I'm not drafting Joe Mixon. Me too. I mean, for, I'm yeah, just for not. other reasons. Yeah, which is exactly. Also fine. Exactly. Um, yeah, I just can't do it. I couldn't do it before, and now I really can't do it. Uh, but I do. I, I'm like, I, I'm excited to see what happens with Miles Sanders, and for everything that Chris said, I mean, I, I agree with him that way. Um, from a personal standpoint, obviously, I'm not drafting Mixon, but I would have. I don't know. I guess I can separate, and I would. I would say Sanders either way. Makes sense to me. Um, the, I'm going to hit up the receivers. We're going to do all three Bengals receivers here. Uh, Jamar Chase is the most divisive receiver in fantasy right now. Like I see him ranked everywhere from two to 11 on people's lists. Uh, it seems like uh, people either love him like they did last year or are really concerned about coming off a down season, which was obviously impacted by injuries as well. Um, so I, I picked three receivers to let you pick from that kind of uh, all have different strengths to him so jamar chase we'll start with you jen jamar chase cd lamb or amon ross st brown these are the uh wide receiver 12 6 and 8 respectively from last year jen who'd you rather and rank them for me i um <clears throat> not just because it's chris's last show i would i would take chase um out of those three i, I would <laughs> i would take chase as my first pick um actually i would take him in the order you listed i would go chase lamb amon ross st brown uh Based on a few things, but, you know, starting out, I mean, quarterback, you know, right, right there. I mean, if you rank the quarterbacks, you rank them that way as well. Um, and then opportunity. I mean, I know Chase had a down year, but he was a down year at what wide receiver 12. Right. So, I mean, it's not exactly, I mean, he's still a starting, he's a wide receiver one for fantasy purposes at that point. And uh, the targets will be there. The offense is still going to be good. It may start out slow, like the Bengals tend to do, and people might get frustrated. However, me, yeah, I guess. yes, I'll get frustrated. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> and, and fantasy managers will get frustrated as well. But uh, yeah, I would pick Chase first out of those, then I would go Lamb, and then I would go uh, Amon Ra. That Clean makes sweet. sense to me. Yeah, yep, uh, you that. too. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, um, I I do. Uh, it's hard for me to argue too much with that because Jamar Chase is incredible. You love CD Lamb. I know I, it. Let's go. I love CD Lamb. I love CD Lamb. And that's it. I don't even really have numbers to back that up. I kept looking for numbers to back that up. And, and all the numbers suggested Jamar Chase was the better choice. Suggested. Lamb. Yeah. Suggest. They all show that, right? So it was so just I don't a, even have just that. a nudge. But a I will nudge say, they, I will say they're both going to be phenomenal. I I, I really yeah. think they're great. You know, as as long as Dak was under center, CD Lamb was excellent last year, and Jamar Chase, when he was healthy, was excellent last year. Amon Ross St. Brown also, when he was healthy, was excellent last year. So, uh, all really great options. You can order them how you like. Uh, Jamar Chase seems more volatile to me. So I just with the CD Lamb, despite the fact that CD Lamb struggled without Dak. In any event, uh, let's go to that other receiver to the next receiver on the Cincinnati Bengals list. Chris, we're going to start with you this time. T Higgins 
wide receiver 17 last year, DK Metcalf, wide receiver 18 last year, or Brandon Ayuk, quietly wide receiver 15 last year? Uh, I would probably go uh, DK, T, and then Ayuk. Uh, we did see DK start to at least make some movement in terms of earning like a larger target share as compared to like Tyler Lockett in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I do wish that they, uh, I, while I know their password over expectation once they get into the scoring position does tend towards the run, but I would expect to see like DK just become more of that I don't know, just like larger presence in the red zone. I mean, we saw like some of the tight ends starting getting into the mix. Of course, Howard Lockett's going to get his. Uh, but yeah, that'd be my only concern with DK. But overall, from a target share standpoint, T is still like, there's still a, a fairly sizable gap between him and Chase enough such that you can see DK kind of get over him in that from, from a baseline standpoint. So I would go DK, T, and then Ayuk. Okay, that makes sense to me. Jen, uh, do you have an argument? You know, I don't. I was actually thinking that Chris was going to go T first, and then I could at least differentiate because I, I would go DK first. I would go the same order as him and for the same reason. So doesn't make for great radio slash podcast, but I do agree with Chris. Do you have concerns about Ayuk, either one of you, or is it just he's just third? I think, he, yeah, I think he's fine. I think just, you know, there's there's other... I think between McCaffrey and Kittle, there's a lot going on there, and we still don't really know who the quarterback is. It's I true. Mean, they, right. It's so... true. Don't know who the quarterback is. This is a team that was also like 20th or, or worse in terms of password over expectations. So this is still a run first team. And he's one out of four potential pass catchers that can wind up getting into the end zone on a weekly basis. So there's no there's no reason for him or he hasn't earned a spot in order to say that he's going to be getting a 27 or 29 percent target share they're all going to sit around like 20 ish percent they're all going to score we just don't know which week it's going to be so he's not getting the debo touches like he's not being used out of the backfield so it's just uh, I, I can't really rely on him from a fantasy standpoint on a weekly basis i will say though i just looked and he is pretty cheap i mean he's wide receiver 33 right now wow, wow so, that is cheap yeah. yeah yeah so he's much cheaper than the other two Okay. Well, affordability may be a factor, but yeah, I, I don't really have an argument for either of you. It, it makes perfect sense to me. Uh, DK Metcalf definitely seems to have the best chance at the largest target share, which is always nice. Uh, let's look at uh, Tyler Boyd or Josh Palmer, Chris. I, I went with two wide receiver threes on uh, at least theoretically high-powered offenses. I know, I know Cincinnati is a high-powered offense. Uh, the Chargers theoretically are. So uh, Boyd or Josh Palmer, wide receiver 38 and wide receiver 40 last year. It'll still be Tyler Boyd for me. I'm just going to be obstinate and continue to draft him and assume that at some <laughs> point he's going to, it's going to be like Jamar at 27%, T at like 25% target share, and then Boyd's going to be at 23%. But then every year it winds up that like Tyler Boyd sits like a 15% target share, and I have no idea why. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be stubborn and say to Tyler Boyd. Makes sense. Makes sense. Jen, are you uh, on the Boyd train as well, or do you prefer Palmer? I'd probably go Palmer just based on the fact that we don't know what's going on right now with the chargers and Williams, you know, last year was, you know, he was hurt quite a bit. And um, I don't know. I just, I, I kind of like Palmer. I mean, I don't know why, because he didn't really live up to expectations last year, but I still kind of like him. So I go Palmer. Uh, certainly uh, the injuries to Mike Williams and Keenan Allen over the past few years, certainly uh, give Palmer a little bit of a nudge. That's probably why I would go Palmer. I just feel like the opportunity might have a better chance there. Uh, but if I have to start someone with everyone healthy in any given week, it's going to be Boyd. So for me, um, 
tight end. Uh, the Bengals, I'm not going to throw Drew Sample or anybody out there right now. Hayden Hurst isn't there. So I'm just going to say tight end to be determined, whoever the Bengals bring in. Or Juwan Johnson, who was the tight end 11 last year, has some upside, might stink, might be okay. We'll see about the touchdown regression. Not Irv Smith? Uh, not? Oh, is Irv Smith with Cincinnati? Yeah. I missed that. I completely missed Irv Smith. All right, well, let's say Irv Smith, <laughs> Irv Smith or Juwan Johnson. Uh, Jen, let's start with you. I like Juwan Johnson. Um, it's not that I don't like Irv Smith. Like, I like myself a Bengals tight end. I've always been on board. I went a lot of Hurst last year. I did a lot of CJ Uzoma the year before. I always back a Bengals tight end. Uh, I like Juwan Johnson, though. I think he's super sneaky this year. He's he's affordable, um, and he was pretty good last year. So, and you know, obviously they have a different quarterback. You got Derek Carr. Um, I still think uh, I, I like Juwan Johnson there. I don't mind that one either. And uh, there's literally a tweet that was out earlier today uh, because there was a beat reporter down at the owners' meeting that talked with Dennis Allen and said, "Stop me if you heard this before." But Dennis Allen said there's there's not a certain timeline yet on Michael Thomas's uh, like recovery. Like he's still not. Oh, Lord, I can't do that again. Yeah, (laughs) I I feel so bad for that dude. Like, I I can't believe it. I know like it's 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 late March, so it's not a massive deal right now. But just like it's still it's still like his health is still an issue for them. So, yeah, I do kind of lean Juwan Johnson. Yeah, makes sense. I, I like that. Yeah, sorry I missed that Irv Smith news. I, I, I feel silly. Normally, I'm pretty up on top of that stuff. All right, let's finalize with the kicker. I'm going to start with Jen again because it's a kicker question. Uh, Evan McPherson, the kicker 18 last year, or Jake Elliott, the kicker 19 last, uh, last year. I thought this would be a tough one for you, Jen. So Believe it or not, it is. Like, it's a legit tough decision. Um, I would have to look at the schedules, you know, and do my number crunching, but uh, – off the top of my head, I'd probably go McPherson. I mean, his leg is ridiculous, yeah. so sure. Yeah, he's fun. Chris? Give me money, Mac. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, no argument there at all. Um, I've got one more segment. Uh, I'm just going to kind of go through it, so forgive me as I talk a bunch, and all right. I'll let you uh, you all comment and all that. So this is my all-time Allen ranking, all right? These are the, uh, the best oh, Allens be in football of all time. All right. <laughs> I'm going to start at the bottom. I'll breeze through the ones at the bottom, right? I'm going to start at number 14, Ryan Allen, quality New England punter from 2013, 2018. A lefty, right? Bill Belichick loves his left-footed punters because the ball comes down a little weird and he thinks that it's harder to field them. And uh, and since it's me, number 13, I'm going to have to go with a kick returner, Allen Rossum. Right. Alan Rossum, longtime kick returner, variety of teams, most notably uh, Atlanta, second all time in kick return yardage, 10th in punt return yardage, Alan Rossum. So a good, a good Allen in the return game. All right. Number 13, number 12, Alan Lazard, um, always kind of disappoints me, but a good player. And now a jet, right? You yep. say always like he's been around for decades. Decades. <laughs> at decades. least at least decades. I've been drafting like him and being disappointed for at least 35 years. <sighs> it I'm feels that way, huh? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, number 11, Jimmy Allen. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I had to look this guy up. This is what I didn't know. Uh, these other guys I was able to come up with. But uh, Steeler and Lion defensive back from 1974 to 1981. Nine interceptions in his final season. 31 career picks. Way to go, Jimmy Allen. Long-time Detroit Lion and Pittsburgh Steeler. Uh, number 10, Allen Robinson, who uh, had some hey. really good seasons. And uh, I, 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 this one I'm going to pause just for a moment. Allen Robinson. Jen, is he done? Are we interested in him at all? 
I straight up forgot about him until you just brought him up. So, and I've been drafting already. I'm so bad for Allen Robinson. So I think so because I, I honestly forgot he existed until you just threw him out there. That's really sad because yeah. he had some great seasons. He with did really bad, yeah. really bad quarterbacks. Uh, he just kind of got screwed in the NFL in general. But I don't right. know. Is he on a team right now or is he a free agent? I think he's still a Ram technically. Uh, oh. Yes. But yeah, uh, quarterback Ugh. purgatory for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Will Allen, uh, Giants and Dolphins cornerback from 2001-2011. Underrated, underrated corner. He was a good corner for the Giants, good corner for the Dolphins. Uh, number eight, another great defensive back. Now we're getting into really good Allens. We're getting into some really good Allens here. Eric Allen, longtime Eagles defensive back, played for the Saints and Raiders, but three-time All-Pro, led the league with four interceptions in 1993. Eric Allen, phenomenal Eagles defensive back, legend in Philadelphia. Uh, we already talked about this, Allen. This is a good out. Keenan Allen, Chris. Hey, Keenan yeah. Allen, number seven. He's my seventh Allen of all time in football. I, which which tells the quality of Allens we're getting into right now. I'm gonna say, yeah, we're gonna get some good ones here. Yeah, getting some good Allens. Uh, number six, Terry Allen, uh, who won me a fantasy football league when he was uh, with the Washington uh, football team that was named something else back then uh, in the nineties. Phenomenal running back during the time. Number five, Marcus Allen, another great running back. I would argue a slightly overrated running back, but a great running back. Excellent running back. Yeah. For the Raiders. Good time for the chiefs. Uh, and then four, I'm going to go Josh Allen at this point. Uh, fantasy gold. Yeah. Number four, Josh Allen fantasy gold. This guy has been phenomenal. It, it, it's great. Number three, Jared Allen. Uh, one of the best pass rushers of all time, tied for the most safeties ever with four, four safeties ever. Uh, Doug English, Ted Hendricks, and Justin Houston, also with four safeties. So you can dazzle your trivia friends when they ask who has the most safeties ever. You can say Jared Allen, Doug English, Ted Hendricks, and Justin Houston with four. Uh, number two, Larry Allen, longtime Cowboys guard. Oh, yeah. uh, he's a fantasy MVP in his own right because he paved the way for Emmett Smith for years. He was one of the best guards in football while he was playing. Hall of Famer, excellent player. And, of course, number one, the best Allen in the, in the realm of football of all time, diabolical podcast partner, exceptional writer, perfect friend, the, the unequivocal Chris Allen, phenomenal <laughs> man. Um, Chris, I have really enjoyed doing this podcast with you for two years, and uh, I just want to thank you for the time that you've come. Uh, not only are you a good person, you're professional, you're reliable, you're very smart, you make me sound smarter, and I just appreciate you and uh, thank you for the time that you spent on this podcast. Look, I mean, you guys have been like the reason why we've actually been able to have fun on the show for the past uh, past two seasons. So I've been blessed to be able to work with all three of you. I mean, it sounds like uh, working behind the scenes like right now, but once we get into the grueling parts of the season and like by even by Monday, Tuesday evening, like I am already spent, like I am tired. I am just ready for the weekend. And we're only just a couple of days removed from just sitting down, like, and just ingesting all of this data and this information, but you guys have made this so much fun. Uh, and like, it's been, it's made my week easier. Uh, and it's just made my time here at 444, like all the more just, I don't know, just, just an absolute blast. Um, and to be able to call this place a home for the past like four to five seasons has been, has been great. And you guys have been my friends like through the entirety of it. Jen has made, you say I sound smart. Jen is the one that's made me sound smart. 
for the majority of my time here. Uh, so I would not be at the place that I am without you guys along my uh, at my side to, to be here for for the, this part of the journey. So I, I appreciate you guys from the bottom of my heart. I'm all sad now. <laughs> um, well, Chris, I'm, I mean, listen, we joke a lot, um, but I'm obviously going to miss you for reals. Oh, you are? Um, yeah. I am. No, you're not. I am. I really am. Um, all right. I'm going to miss you in the in the 444 Slack. I'm going to miss you on the uh, podcast. I'm going to miss editing you every uh, every week for the last i don't you know five six years i mean uh, been, yeah you know, aside mm-hmm. from this podcast as an actual co-worker it's been a long time so mm. um luckily you know we uh will be in the twitter streets yes and uh you know we'll we'll be in touch it's not like you're going away so nope nope we'll see you around the fantasy football world yeah, and, uh, yeah you know no. brandon and i will have to go on it, it, it'll have to happen We'll, I'll be we'll around. Be I'll be back at some point. I mean, you oh, you'll definitely come on and guest with us for sure. Yeah, we'll just we'll just force you to guest regularly. That's what we'll do. We'll just, <laughs> That's we'll, the, we'll, the we'll I'm push fine the with limits. That. Yeah, we'll yeah. push <laughs> the limits on what we're allowed to ask. Uh, and I believe our producer Sal, our lovely producer Sal, has prepared something uh, for you, Chris. So take oh, it no. away, Sal. Oh yeah, kids! It's time to say goodbye. It shows I had no idea the photo Jed was gonna take. Me that either, was absolutely like, yeah. That was the same oh my photo. gosh. It's so you guys weird. the best. It shows we felt the same way about yes. it. So, we, um, we did not talk about it. We nothing. We both and you still coordinated. Look at you guys. Um Chris. We genuinely love you. Uh, for the last time, uh, thank you, Chris and Jen. Always a pleasure. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, listeners. Follow us on Twitter at Jen Akins NFL, at Chris Allen FFWX. Follow Chris and whatever he does next. Uh, he's It's always going to be worth checking out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks for checking us out and have a great day.